0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We're going to talk to you tonight about what kind of church do you go to? What kind of church do you go to? If somebody were to ask you, what kind of church do you go to, what would you say? What? What else? What else? Word and spirit church. Yeah, you really need to know exactly what kind of church you go to. You know, for from over the centuries, you know, we've had a lot of denominational tags, you know, for a long time there was Protestant and Catholic, that's all there was. That was the only two kind of churches there were. And then as the centuries went by, things began to evolve, and there was more and more kinds of churches, and there was a lot of denominational tags. And and then the last century we've gotten to where we've, we've kind of become a little more descriptive in what we call the church that we go to. You know, we have... Uh, you know, we, we see ourselves as Protestant sometimes, and then there's the liturgical churches, which include the Presbyterians and the Episcopals and, you know, the Catholics, and, you know, there's those kind of churches. And There's the Evangelical churches, you know, there's the Methodists and the Baptists and, you know, all the different things that come down from that. And now we get into some more of the other descriptive things. There's, there's been Charismatic, there's been Pentecostals, there's been Full Gospels, there's been Spirit-filled churches, faith churches, word churches. And honestly, today, I'm struggling with what you call some churches. There's relevant churches. There's relational churches. There's community churches. I don't even know what all that means. But I'm thinking it doesn't give you a very good description of what kind of church you go to. But what we're going to talk about tonight, you know, is the fact that we're a word church. You know, you know when we, we, some people say, well, we're a faith church. Well, that's true. We are a faith church because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith impacts every single part of our lives. It's involved in every subject that's in the Bible. So, yeah, we're a faith church. Well, how about a full gospel church? Most people don't even know what you're talking about. You say a full gospel church. You know, I was growing up, you know, I, well, you know, somebody said, what kind of church you go to? I'd say, well, I go to a Pentecostal church. Well, the only thing people knew about Pentecostals back when I was a kid was it was those, it was those holy rollers, you know, or you say a holiness church. Well, that means you've got hair down to here and necklines up to here and skirts down to the floor and, you know, sleeves down to here and no makeup and no jewelry and that ugly women church. <laughs> That's what it looked like. I, I, rem- I remember, I remember, it made my mother so mad. But one time, my mother and my father were somewhere. And of course, that's back in the days. If you know the no makeup, and no jewelry, no the no nothing. You know, plain Jane here. And somebody thought my mother was my father's mother. That did not go over real well. No, you know. But the men could wear flashy stuff. I mean. They got on these loud ties and loud pocket things, you know, and all, all that kind of nonsense. And, I mean, you know, it was like a peacock show, you know, sometimes. But the women, plain Jane, honey, just plain Jane. That is not the way it's supposed to be now, is it, ladies? No. We're supposed to be the peacocks, not them. So anyway, you know, so that's why anybody knew about a Pentecostal-type church. You know, and then there's the full gospel. You know, we we talk about being a full gospel church. Well, what the what is that all about? What is people mean? You tell somebody, well, we preach the full gospel. Well, we do too. You mean it you into a fight with you over that. Of course we do. Well, you know, for us, we understand what full gospel means. Full gospel means we preach everything that's laid out in the plan of salvation. It's not just salvation, it's healing. It's wholeness, it's provision, it's protection. Everything the Bible talks about, everything that Jesus did, that's what the full gospel is. You know, over in, um, in Romans 15, real quickly, if you want to just go over there, Romans 15, Paul said, starting in verse 18, he said, For I dare not... To speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles in obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Ilyricum, I, 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 I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Full gospel involves signs and wonders. It involves the power of God, and over in First Corinthians, just a few few pages in over, go to First Corinthians two, verse four. Paul said, "And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God." There was a full gospel that he was referring to. And, you know, that's what, that's what we're talking about. And yet, when you really boil it all down, when we stand up and say, what kind of a church do we go to? I'd have to say I'd rather be known as a word church. A word church. Now, people say, well, what's a word church? Well, you'd likely say right off the bat, well, it's a place where there's an emphasis on the word of God. That's absolutely true. Where well, there is an emphasis on what the Word of God says, but there are three things that you need, you must be convinced of when it comes to the Word. These things you must be certain that you know about the Word. Number one is found over in Second Timothy, chapter three, verse sixteen. Second Timothy three sixteen, it says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God." The first thing you need to be convinced of is that the Word of God is inspired by God. It is inspired by God. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. God spoke. Is everything everything in in this book right here spoken by God? No, He moved on men and inspired them what to write, what to put in print. What He inspired them to write is what we need. What he did not inspire them to write, you know, it's okay. It's already covered. I believe God put in everything he needed to put in right here with what we have in front of us. No reason to change it. No reason to add to it. It's all inspired by God. Number two, you need to be convinced of the infallibility of the word of God. Um, Numbers. Can you find numbers real fast? Your fingers need to be nimble tonight. Leviticus, Hectus, Numbers. Numbers 23, verse 19. Let me just say this. If you're going to go to a Word church, you need to have the Word with you. Mm Let me say that again. If you're going to go to a Word church, you need to have the Word with you. Now, obviously, it comes in different forms today. I personally prefer this one right here in written form, but you could have it on a tablet, you could have it on a phone, you could have it on a computer, but you need to have it with you. You don't need to just, I mean, like most people did when I was growing up, they just came and they just sat and they just listened to what was being said. How do you know he's reading it accurately? If you're not following along, then they've gotten to where in the the modern days, instead of coming to church with the word, of your own to look at and follow along with, they just stick it up on the screen. Well, that's nice, except people got so lazy that they decided not to bring their own version with them. I don't know that that's a great idea. I think it, I think it uh, handicaps people. So if you're going to go to a word church, bring the word with you. Anyway, uh, Numbers twenty-three nineteen says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man. That he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? Of course not. If he says it's yours, it's yours. If he says I'll do this for you, he'll do it. If you have to depend and can be convinced of the infallibility of God's word. You know, not everything that's recorded here is God's actual word what he said but it's recorded that men said these things and because men said these things and they were recorded by men don't take everything as to be absolute truth job said the lord giveth and the lord taketh away now that was accurately be recorded but is it true you can respond is it true no no he also made the statement, "Though he slay me, yet will I serve him." Oh, the picture of piety that some people have latched onto, but is that the truth of the word? Does the, does that bear out in the rest of the scriptures? No, it doesn't. Job Job it's accurately recorded that Job said it, but that does not make it true. You know, we need to see some things from the Word of God where people had one opinion and see what the Word has to say about it and to see where the actual truth is. You know, we believe it's accurately accounted for in the Word, but it's not true. God does not give and take away. Lord, I've heard that so many times over my lifetime. You know, as an explanation for terrible things, it's not so, but Job did say it. Some people want to take all the words of, of defeat and despair, gloom and doom, and kind of lump them all together and say, Well, this is the picture of God. It's not a picture of God. If you go through the Psalms, it's amazing how many Psalms that David wrote, and he just started out by just laying out a slew, a litany of woes and worries. And I mean, I mean, he could have been on hee-haw. <laughs> gloom, despair, and agony on high. Yeah. But he would end his psalms with praising God. You know, God doesn't really need us to recite all of our troubles to him. He really doesn't. I mean, he's very aware of what's going on in our lives. And and for us to keep reciting them to him doesn't help us. In fact, it makes it harder for him to do his job for us. Because where our attention is on the gloom, the doom, the despair, the agony... You know, all that stuff. So, you know, David, there was times like, get over it. Come on. And yet, it does show us a picture of the things that he was enduring in life. I mean, can you imagine being chased down by your king, your father in law, as a matter of fact, who's trying to kill you at every turn? And yet, he knew God was there to protect him. He was an honorable man when he had an opportunity to slay his enemy, he would not take it and would refuse to allow his men to harm Saul in any way. So he had a great deal of honor. So it it, it kind of, in one sense of the word, gives us a picture that life was not rosy and yet he loved God. He served God. And God always brought him through, always brought him out. A man without the covenant, you and I have. But you know what? In life, we don't need to go around reciting all of that. You know, testimony services where I was growing up, man, whew, 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 people would get up and they would go on and on and on and on reciting all the woes and all the troubles and the way the devil had been after them all week and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, this is really encouraging. I mean, it's really uplifting. No, it's not. There's a place to state. This is what tried to happen, but God, but God but God is faithful, but God turned that thing, but God gave me the answer, but God delivered me out of that, but God provided, God supplied. You know, make make what the devil's done short and make the praises of God long, for goodness sake. So anyway, number one, you have to be convinced of the inspiration of the Word of God. Number two, the infallibility of the Word of God. And number three, the integrity of the Word of God. His word of God is honest, it's dependable. Isaiah 55:11. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55:11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing thereto I sent it. This is God talking. Now, this is a part you can believe is true. I mean, you can bank on it. God says, the word that goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing that I've sent it to. Jeremiah, you're close by. Go to Jeremiah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 1, verse 12. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 1 then said the Lord unto me, you have seen well, for I will hasten my word to perform it. The amplified version is, is, it's alive, I'm alive and active, watching over my word to perform it. God is alive and active. He's not sitting there looking to see, well, what's going to happen today? It's not like he's waiting for the yeast and the dough to rise, folks. He's active. He's active, watching over his word to perform it. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So those three things, you have to be convinced of the inspiration of the word of God, that it is God-breathed. Number two, the infallibility of the Word of God. If he said it, it's true, and there is no lie involved in it. Number three, the integrity of the Word of God. He will do what he said he would do. You know, there there's, used to be a bumper sticker, sticker that says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. That is an absolute lie that most people are, are perpetrating on the public because they don't believe it. That's what we're supposed to believe, but that's not what most people do believe, not in practice, in theory only. But do they honestly believe that? If they honestly believed that, there'd be a whole lot more positivity out of every believer's mouth. But the proof is in the pudding. And you hear people talking, they go, you don't believe a thing God said. All they want to tell you is about their financial woes, their health woes, their health issues, their family problems, all this kind of stuff. Well, what has God had to say about this? You can find stuff that pertains to it in the Word if you're looking for it. So if you truly believe that God said it, I believe it, and that settles it, you would be doing something different. You would be acting differently. If somebody t- tells me, oh, I, 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 I just can't make it to church, I mean, I, I know God heals, I just can't make it to church. Yes, you can. There are very few people who can't make it to church. I've proven that over the years that you can. You can come when you don't feel like it, you can come when you hurt, you can come when you're in pain, you can come when, when you, everything in you says, stay home. But the word says I'm healed, then I'm going to act like I'm healed. And healed people get their fannies up and go to church. That's just what they do. I've laid across the counter many, many a time, you know, when I was doing chemo and going, I am so exhausted, but I'm not staying home. I'm not stay- and I can't say I've ever regretted one time that I came, that I thought, well, I should have stayed home after all. I've run to that back bathroom and thrown up before. In the old church, I've run run out the back door of the of the the top building and thrown up over the over the balcony before. You know, there's other things. You know that I'm not going to be deterred. The word says I'm healed. Bless God, I'm healed. And healed people go to church. They don't stay home. If you believe, if you believe what the word says, you believe what God says. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. You'd be here. I'm sorry. I've been here with migraines. I've been here with all kinds of things. A lot of you have too. So I'm preaching to the choir, I think. Maybe I'm encouraging somebody. I don't know. But that's that's the thing. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now, I know there are things that do happen from time to time. But I'm saying as a general rule, I'm not letting it make me stay home. I'm not letting it make me stay home. No. You know, the best thing I can do is at least give it a good try. If I have to go home, fine. At least the devil didn't keep me home. Mm, okay, I got a lot of, a lot of going on that one. <laughs> uh, when uh, we say things like we're a spirit-filled church, there are other people who say, well, I'm spirit f- we're a spirit-filled church too. Number one, because they don't understand what being spirit-filled means. There's been arguments over the years about what spirit-filled is. Does that mean you, you speak in tongues? Yeah. Oh, no, you don't have to speak in tongues. Listen, the Mormons will say they're a spirit-filled church. They're not even born again. So their version of what spirit-filled is, it's a matter of semantics. We're saying and using the same words. If they ever come to your door, if the JWs ever come to your door, and they go, oh, yeah, we're born again. Oh, yeah, we're going to heaven. a you better know that, that's not, that you're not talking apples and apples here. We're talking apples and oranges. We're talking apples and something, but we're not talking the same thing. Mormons, like I said, are not even born again. They, there's no way they can be spirit-filled, but yet they say they are. There are people, you know, who say, oh, yeah, we're spirit-filled. Well, what does that mean to somebody? I mean, for us, we know what spirit filled means. It means we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's what spirit filled is. Today, we have people who come looking for a church, a spirit filled church. Uh, I, I mean, I can I can name somebody right now. Said so they went to several places in our in our area, all over this region area, looking for spirit filled church. So they, we walked in there and they weren't. And I'm going, mm, yeah, I know. What is spirit-filled to them? Spirit-filled may, may mean just because they got lively music and they clap their hands and they maybe, maybe they raise their hands. That's spirit-filled. That's not spirit-filled. So we need to make sure we're talking the same language here when we talk about what kind of church you're in. And it matters what kind of church you go to. It matters. It can be as drastic and as decisive as life and death. Somebody who comes to a church like this that that says God's will is to heal you. And they stay for years. And they hear for years. It is God's will to heal you. If they don't stay put, if they go to a church who does not believe the same thing when they go somewhere else, and there are a lot of churches who believe that same thing, because that's what the word says. If they go to one of the churches, they'll be fine. If they find themselves in a church that does not believe that, it will not be long before they are no longer convinced that it's not God that it's God's will to heal. Yeah. You think I'm kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Seen it, seen it too many times. They get in there and then all this stuff. Where well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but they get into all this stuff and suddenly that's not what they're in, what they're doing anymore. Go with me to Mark chapter 7. Hallelujah. Mark 7. <sighs> Hallelujah. One of the biggest obstacles to the word. That's what we're going to be reading about right here, starting in verse 1. Then came together unto the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all their Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have received to hold, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Are you kidding me? They have received to hold. Really, is it all about pots and washing hands? To them it was. And the Pharisees and scribes asking, Why walk Why walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered and said to them, Well hath Isaiah the prophet, Well hath... Isaiah is the prophet of you, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many such like things ye do." Not Verse 9, and he said to them, full well you reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own traditions. You skip down to verse 13. It says, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions which you have delivered and many such things that you do. Listen, the true test of whether you're a word person or not comes when you find something in the word that's different than what you think. These people had gotten a hold of nonsense. It was more important to them that they have their pots and their washings and all these different things than it was to actually serve God. You know, there are people like that today. There are denominations like that. Okay. We have to baptize this way and it's only this way. And if you don't baptize this way, then you're going to hell. You're not going to heaven. Isn't that called a tradition of men? There are people who say, if you get born again, you're not really going to heaven until you're baptized as well. Is that not a tradition of men? That's not in the Word. That's not what the Word says. And yet, there they are, holding on to these kind of things. It's not what we believe necessarily that makes us a Word church, but it's our attitude that we take when we're shown from the Word something that needs to be corrected. That's a real word person. You know, we can look at, there are lots of people who go to a word church and they say, oh, I'm, I'm a word person. Oh, yeah, I'm a word person. Yes, I believe the word of God. Well, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and I only see you about once or twice a month. Hmm. I've had people just look at me and say, well, I can be a Christian without going to church. Oh, uh, okay. That's not what the word says. It's not what the word says. Well, I, I, can serve, I can serve God and still live with my boyfriend. That's not what the word says. I can still be blessed financially and not give, ever give anybody anything. I'm, I don't have to give anything. You know, everybody else can take care of the giving. I, I don't have to do any of that. That's not what the word says. You can count yourself a word person all you want until you start making excuses for why it doesn't apply to you. It's not being a word. We've all been affected by traditions and men. And if you don't think you have, you need to listen to yourself every so often. Because I guarantee you that tradition is going to come out somewhere at some point. And when it does, you need to just recognize it and go, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what the Word says. It's not what the Word says. You know, this lady we knew years ago, she was a, had, had been raised Catholic. And she got born again, spirit-filled, went to Rhema, all this kind of stuff. And her mom was still in the Catholic church. And she said, Mom, you really need to get into the Word. You really need to read the Word. She goes, well, I've read that already. It's like, you know, you know it's like a novel. I, I read it. Why do I need to go read it again? Then there's the people who do one of those read-through-the-Bible programs every year. I've read through the Bible 15 times already. Well, just because you read it, did it change anything? Did it cause you to see anything differently than what you thought? Apparently it didn't. Just because you can listen, there are people in seminaries who know the Bible backwards and forwards. But if you told them that the baptism of the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues was for today, they would call you a heretic. And yet they know that word. Just because you read that word, just because you believe it's the word of God, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? You know, you'll come up against things that you've always thought. But what you if you really if you're really reading the word like you ought to, you're going to find out that those things you always thought were always wrong. I mean I, I grew up in it with a lot of traditions and if we're not careful we, we'll make some of our own traditions. you know thing about it is we're all growing in the word. every single day we're supposed to be growing and when it comes that means growth comes when you decide to make a change. when you take, what you thought you believed, that you thought was right. See, people in the integrity of their heart are doing the best they know how with what they've been taught. And for some people, when they come up against something, they go, oh, I've never seen that before. I've read that I don't know how many times. And I've never seen it. And there it is. Well, wow. and they'll change, and they'll go, oh, well, that, that's, that's amazing. I, I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, forget all that stuff that I thought before. I, how many of you have come in, into the things of God, the fullness of the things of God, thinking one thing and found out that there was something totally else out there for you, something totally new, something totally wonderful that nobody had ever told you about that you never knew before? You know, we get so caught up in in the things that we've been taught. And listen, anybody can be wrong. You can't afford to just to just take something on face value. That's why you have need to have the word with you. That's why you need to be reading along. That's why you need to be studying it out for yourself. And you have you actually have three different things that can be the final, final authority when it comes to the word of God. Number one. It can be what you believe, your interpretation of the word, and what you think. That can be your final authority. There was a man a number of years ago who had a life-threatening illness, and in fact, he died from it that pastor went and had a long conversation with about healing and he's sitting there he's talking to this man about healing and he's going through the scriptures with him and and the man's just sitting there nodding his head he's going wow he's he's taking it all in and so when he got through talking to him about healing because it was life threatening folks when he got through talking to him about healing the man looked at him and said well here's what I think about it okay What he thought about it had more weight in his life and more value to him than what the actual word of God said. He died. You know, when people are that set and that determined that the word is not what the word says it is, when God says, I'll heal you, I am your healer, then that's what they live with. But I'm not gonna let somebody tell me. I had I, well, you know, when, when I got home from the hospital after after cancer surgery and and a relative of mine got me on the phone just checking on me, wanted to be wanted to just be sweet and check on me and I appreciated that and began to tell me. I said, Well, I'm healed, you know. I, I know I'm healed. I know God has is, is taking care of this whole this whole thing. And he goes, Now I, I don't I don't want you to get disappointed here. I don't want you to get your hopes up because God doesn't always work that way. Got off the phone and told pastor what what my relative had said. And he looked at me and he said, do not talk to that man again until this is over. Listen, the devil's going to hammer you enough with unbelief. He's going to try his best to put doubt in your head. You don't need help from anybody else. You don't need anybody else encouraging to believe the wrong thing. So it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the Word says. You can let it be your final authority, though. Number two, what others think about it? See, my uncle, well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. My relative, you know, had their own version of what the Word says. Why? Because they based their opinion, their interpretation, according to their own experience. Listen, it doesn't matter what your experience is. If it does your experience doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not true. It's not. We all fail from time to time living up to the to the complete, perfect word of God. We all fail to attain, you know, something. It's not the word's fault. It's not God's fault. I've had people say, Oh, that tithing business, it doesn't work. Well, I, I want to say, well, why don't you try it and see? Why don't you just try it instead of say, oh, it doesn't work. There's a whole lot of reasons why it doesn't work. If you're not going to give it a shot... In faith, and it it's not going to work for you. When people say, "I can't afford to tithe," I, 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 I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I just, I just can't do. It. And I will say to them, "Listen, we've all come to a place in life where we've had, we've had that defining moment where it was either tithe or eat. We did. To, to personally, to me, my philosophy when it comes to to finances is number one, God gets his. First, first, not whenever all the bills are paid, but God gets his first. And then when I owe somebody, I pay them second. And lastly, that leaves what it takes to maintain our household after that. We've never missed a meal. But there came that day when there was nothing left in the house that was, it came several times over the years. Well, there was nothing left to eat. I mean, there was nothing. You can't make a meal off of ketchup and flour. I mean, it just, it just doesn't work. And there's no money in the bank. There's a penny in the bank. A penny. And if I let it go to zero, they close the account. So I can't let, I can't use that penny. It has to stay there. <laughs> that penny must stay in the bank. We've come to those places But I will tell somebody, listen, if you can't really trust God, don't do it. When you make up your mind that God's word is true, when you make up your mind that God will always do what he said he'd do, when you make up your mind that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread, when you come to that place, then you tithe regardless of what it looks like. But until then... It's just throwing your money away. I mean, there are people who would say, do it anyway. No, I'm not going to tell you to do it anyway for you to come back and tell me what well, you said. No, you have to do it because God said. You have to do it because the Word of God said. Not because Pastor Angela said. Not because anybody else said. You have to learn to trust what the Word of God said. At that point, then you no longer say, I can't afford to tithe. I can't. Listen, I can't afford not to. I've proven that when we didn't, there was never enough money to go around. Things were always breaking. Things were always going wrong. I was always borrowing a few dollars from my mom to get us through to the next payday. And when the day came, we started tithing again, we've never looked back. Have they been tight? Yeah, they've been tight. Has it been down to the wire? Yeah, it's been down to the wire. But God's always proven himself faithful. Always without fail, he has proven himself faithful. Hallelujah. So, experience counts for really nothing. I mean, thank God for people sharing their testimonies, but just you can't, you can't do something based on somebody's testimony, you based it on the fact that their testimony is founded in the Word. And the word said this, and when they did the word, this is what happened. And you can be assured that when you do the word like they did the word, it'll happen for you as well. But if it didn't happen, if they didn't get their blessing, if they didn't get their answer, it's not the word's fault. There's something else going on you just don't know about. Because God's word never fails. Because God's not a man that he should lie because God's word does not return to him void but it accomplishes everything it set out to do that God's going to finish what he started Amen. but you have to believe that you have to be a real person of the word hallelujah and then there's you know oh, what my grandma always said I've I've heard this said before well daddy always says well daddy was always wrong I'm sorry well, how do you know? Because his life didn't resemble the picture that God intended for him to live like. How can, how can you tell me daddy's always, what daddy always says is right? I'm going to believe it because that's what daddy always says. How about believe it because that's what your father God always says? You know, when we go tell the biggest one of the biggest weapons in our arsenal of testimony of, of reaching the lost is our testimony and what God has done for us. You're supposed to be a walking, living, breathing example of the goodness of God, of the provision of God, of the blessing of God, how God takes care of you, how he provides for you, how he, oh, he just overshadows you and overtakes you with blessing. You're supposed to be in a picture of that. When our testimony is doom and gloom and agony on high, who wants to serve that kind of a God? I mean, what, what are you telling them? With a life, see, it's not just about, he wants to bless you because he just loves you, but he wants you to be a physical demonstration of what he can do for somebody else. You are the convincing factor. It doesn't matter what other people say. Or it doesn't matter what your beloved, sweet pastor growing up had to say. If it's not lining up with the word, then it's not true. It's just not. It doesn't matter what. Grandma was great. Was a great lady. I'm sure she was. She loved God. But she didn't understand some things. It's not that these people are lying to you. It's just they don't understand some things. They don't see some things. They don't. They've, they've never been exposed For whatever reason, they wouldn't see it. You know, people who are set on the fact that tongues is of the devil are not open to anything you have to show them in the Word. So for us to become Word people, we have to be open to God showing us something. Something that we've never seen before. Something that we've never believed before. Does God want to heal you? Yeah, He does. But if you're not open to the fact that God heals today, you'll never get healing. Never. And then... You have to, your final, one of your final authority choices is what God says. What God says. The word has to be the final authority. There are no exceptions. There are no appeals. Yeah, but God. God's word tells you that you need to do something, there is no yeah, buts. He's not looking for an argument from you. He's not looking for a... Okay, now I have to explain this to her. this is my darling little girl here. You know, this is what the Word says. This is what the Word says. This is what the Word says. You can't argue with what the Word says. It's pretty clear. And if it's not really clear to you, you need to spend some time praying and say, God, open my eyes. If you don't know, He will help you. But you have to be open to having Him help you. The, the word is the only legitimate dependable authority because it's the one that never changes. It's always consistent, it's always reliable. What we think sometimes is based in fact, but it's but the truth is greater than facts. Facts are subject to change. Truth is not. Let's 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 look at this. You know, we operate in two realms. We operate in a natural realm and we operate in a spiritual realm. When you get plugged into the spiritual realm, it will supersede the things of the natural realm. Example, Jairus, he's gone to get Jesus because his daughter is deathly sick. And in the middle of all this, while Jesus is going with him back to his house, you know, we we get stopped by the lady with the issue of blood and we get all the explanation. And I'm sure, I, I can just imagine Jairus is over there going, come on, Jesus, let's go. Come on, I know this lady's got healed. Wonderful, that's great, that's great. But my daughter's sick. You know, we were headed to my house. Come on, come on. Can we hurry this up? That's just me, you know, Miss Impatient here. Can we just hurry this up? Can we get can we, can we, can we move along here? Do we ha- Does she have to get the whole story? Brief, brief, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. In the middle of all this, servants came to him and said, don't bother the master. Your daughter's dead. That's a fact, folks. That is a natural fact. She was dead. Now the naysayers will go, oh, no, she really wasn't, because the end of the story looks so different. So it really hasn't really anything to do with God. It, you, just, you know, they were so backwards medically speaking that they just didn't realize that she was in like a little coma or something. You know, when her breathing was so shallow, they just couldn't tell she was still alive. People wanted, want to, to disparage the things that God does all the time. They want to have another explanation for the fact that there is somebody out there, this great, wonderful being, God our Father, who created the heavens and the earth. They want to disparage and, and say, oh, that can't be because, well, it, you know, this, this is how you explain all that. Now, I'm telling you what, what, what can you explain? This little girl was dead. Dead. That's the fact of the matter. Jesus turned around, looked at me, said, oh, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. They continued on their way. They got there, raised her up. Truth, truth superseded the fact that day. Truth will always supersede whatever you're facing. The truth of the word of God will always trump the facts. You might say, I am broke. There is no money in the bank. But what does the word of God say? The word says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you take what God's word has said, And begin to apply the truth. The facts must change. They have to. They can't not change. It's up to you to decide at that point whether you're a word person or not. When you start believing God that what his word says is the truth of the matter, now money is subject to God's intervention. Money has to come. You don't decide where it's coming from, just that my needs are supplied. That's all. My needs are supplied. Now, on the other hand, you can't just decide to be presumptuous like some people have done and say, well, I don't have any money in the bank, but I'm writing writing this check in faith. You better not. (laughs) You better not because this is what's going to happen. You're going to write a physical check and send it to a physical creditor who's going to return it to the physical bank that you bank at, who's going to say, there ain't no money there. (laughs) That's not how this works. Lots of people have done that. Oh, I'm writing a faith check. There is no such thing as a faith check. You don't write a check unless there's actually money in the bank to cover it. Now, you might laugh, but people have done it. Now, there's been a few times when I've heard people say, "And and and bless God!" By the time that check got back to my bank, there was money, in. and I'm thinking that is called God's mercy. Is what that's called? Because that was so foolish. That was so ridiculously foolish. That's illegal. Did you know that? That's illegal. God's not wanting you can't you can't take a, a call it something a faith act that's illegal. That's fraud. God's not in the business of perpetrating a fraud, for goodness sake. But you know what? When you really do apply the word of God, and and sometimes when you apply the word of God, that means there's some tweaking that needs to be done. Why is there no money in the bank? Why Why is there not a manifestation of healing in my body. Maybe there's some tweaking that needs to be done. You need to go back to the Word and see what the Word's got to say. See what light the Word puts on your situation and then decide, what am I going to do about this? Am I going to lay aside my thinking? Am I going to lay aside my experience? Am I going to lay aside my likes and my dislikes? Am I going to lay aside... The fact that this might inconvenience me somewhat. Am I going to lay aside the fact that this might be hard? What am I gonna do? 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 do? It's a time to make a decision. And the time to make those kind of decisions is not when you're suddenly faced with a with a situation that looks different from the what the word says about that situation. It's before you ever get to that situation. You need to go into everything of life saying, if the word shines a light on this and I'm doing it wrong, thinking wrong, believing wrong, acting wrong, whatever, it is, I will change whatever it takes. Make that decision ahead of time. Don't wait till you get there and go, well, okay, I've got this, but the word says this. Now, I, I don't know. Should I? I, I don't know if I can do that. I, I, no, I, no, I don't know that I'm ready to do that. I just, I just, you know, we've had people over the years that come to church and, and, and they're a couple and, and they've been living together and they get here and the, the word of God shines the light on the fact that what they're doing is wrong and yet they won't do what it takes because, oh, that's too hard. That's too difficult. Well, I can't do this. Or, or they're seeing the wrong person. You know, and God says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. And they won't break it off. Well, why'd you put yourself in that situation? You should have gone into any kind of a situation going, This is what I'm going to do. This is what the word says. And if I'm faced with it, then bless God, I will go with the word. Those are decisions that have to be made. They have to be made ahead of time because when you get in the middle of it, you're likely to talk yourself out of doing what God says do. And listen, there's no profit in that. Anytime you compromise what you clearly see in the word, it is going to hurt you. God wants the best for you. He's not telling you something that's going to hurt you. He's not telling you to do something, He's going to hurt you. He's telling you to do something that's going to bless you, that's going to cause profit in your life, that's going to bring gain into your life. You know, it's funny. You know, people can, can be really attracted to a church like ours because we talk about healing, because we talk about prosperity, because we even talk about being spirit-filled. And yet, they don't. They think that it's an elective. You know, like when you go to college or high school or something and you got these courses that you must take, you know, but there's something you can choose. Well, you don't just choose the fun stuff. You don't just choose the blessing parts. You know, there are other things like... Obedience, like holy living, like commitment, like faithfulness. All those other things that they don't want anything to do with. They just want to come enjoy the, the fun part. Well, no, that's of like having dessert every meal. That's not going to work. You know, no, I don't want the veggies. No, I don't want the meat. No, I don't want this. No, I don't want that. I just want this, this, and this, and this. Just the fun stuff, the, the, the things that go down really easy, that are just, oh so tempting and so satisfying. Listen, you may not think faithfulness is satisfying, but it really is. It really is. Faithfulness will produce an abundant harvest of blessing in your, in your life. Absolutely, and if you stay faithful, you'll find so much blessing. I, I'm 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 just thinking of a, of a couple of people right now, who over the years, wonderful blessings, and they both came to a crossroads in their life where it was to, to remain faithful, or to go do something else. And the person who remained faithful, God had such a magnificently wonderful event happen in their life shortly not too long after they made that decision just to remain faithful that they would have missed they would have missed and I'm looking at the other person who didn't remain where they were faithful and i know without a shadow of a doubt that god had something for them that they have missed i know that and i and i know what it was too i know exactly what it was you know you shake your head you shake your head because they discounted being faithful what they thought what they thought they needed what they thought they had to have what they thought was something greener pasture somewhere else. It costs them, and they'll never know what it cost them. They'll never know. Hallelujah. Listen, there's three things to remember, three things that you need to adhere to when it comes to the Word. Number one, nothing contrary to the Word can be true. Do you hear me? Nothing contrary to the Word can be true. Number two, nothing in addition to the Scripture can be binding. I'll say that again. Nothing in addition to the Scripture can be binding. Listen, God is not obligated, nor will he back up, nor will he confirm anything that he has not authored. He won't. Absolutely will not. He's not, he's not legally required to back anything up or confirm anything that he did not author. And number three, every believer is responsible before God to search the scripture in order to determine whether what is being said or preached is true. We honestly can't fall back on, well, my pastor never told me. Well, my parents never told me. Whether my church denomination, they never told me. Whether anybody ever told you or not, it's your responsibility to get into the word for yourself. Over in, uh, let's see, let me find it real fast. In Acts 17, I will run over there real quick and talk, tell you about it. Over in Thessalonica, uh, uh, verse 2 of chapter 17, Paul, as his manner was, went into them and for three days reasoned with them out of the Scripture. He didn't take his opinion. He didn't take his experience in there. He took to them the Scriptures. He reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. These are people who were not even born again. They were still practicing Jews. But if you go down to verse 11, it says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the Word. This was he had changed cities. Uh, Anyway, it says, They received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Listen, readiness of mind does not equate to being gullible. There's a lot of gullible Christians out there right now because there's a lot of things being taught. You know, never has there been such an explosion of ridiculous error as there is right now between TV, radio, Internet, Twitter, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's everywhere. Listen, if it doesn't line up with the word, throw it out. if it just well that, that's really interesting listen Paul talked about people with itching ears there's a lot of people with a lot of itchy ears out there right now and they just want something that sounds oh that's oh man that's great that's wonderful oh wow, I've never heard that before does it line up with the word is what you need to be saying I'm not going to have enough to do a second thing, so you just have to give me another couple of minutes. Um, mm, 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 mm. All right, let me just end it with this. Um, Ephesians 4. Um, Ephesians 4. Uh, starting in verse 11, he talks about why he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers... And in verse 14, it says, or 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, that is mature, not perfect, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him and all things, which is the head, even Christ. Listen, the point here is to be a word church means that we're going to grow in the things of God, that we're going to to walk in light of everything we know. And how do we do that? We walk in the light by demonstrating it in our doing. We're going to walk in the light of everything that we know, and we're going to be open to seeing more. Growth brings change. Change brings growth. So what kind of a church do you go to? A word church. There's so much more that the word has got in it that can be revealed to us. And we don't need to get to to a place where we're complacent that we know it all. We don't know it all. Nobody knows it all. But everything that we say we believe must be founded and grounded in the Word. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.